Ryan Little. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Blood Podcast. I am Jeremy Chisenhall, joined as always by Kyle Lance. Kyle is recording from a mountain today, which is a pretty unique experience. Kyle, how's it going? It is going pretty good. I'm live from Mount Yona here in Helen, Georgia. It's wonderful. And I'm so glad that tonight, finally, we have it. G games that count, folks. Not that games that don't count aren't exciting, as obviously last week proved, but and Big Blue Nation, I am ready. Are you ready? Let's do this. Very ready. Um, like you said, exhibitions are finally over. We have our first regular season game of the year against Stephen F. Austin tonight. Um, obviously, this is being recorded on Friday and posted on Saturday. Um, very excited about that one, and we're actually going to get right into that first. We want to preview that game and just get an idea of how it's going to go. Uh, there's some media outlets previewing this game. I think it's going to be a really good, really close game. And Stephen F. Austin isn't a cakewalk, that's for sure. Uh, Calipari mentioned in his press conference yesterday that the majority of the players on this team have been to the Final Four, or not, not the Final Four, sorry, but the NCAA tournament, um, and um, made some runs in the NCAA tournament. And it looked really good. So this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be a test for Kentucky. It's not going to be an easy game. But at the same time, I, I mean, I saw a prediction that had Kentucky only beating Stephen F. Austin by a point, and I don't see it being that close. Uh, Kentucky, it doesn't have a ton of experience on their roster, but they have everything else. They have the talent. They have shooting. They have scoring. They have defense. They have length. They have athleticism. And when it comes down to it, yes, Stephen F. Austin has – some experienced players that have made some runs in the NCAA tournament and pulled off some big upsets and things like that. But they aren't Kentucky. They aren't, they don't have the ability to match up with Kentucky as well as some people seem to think they do. So with my prediction on this, uh, how I see this going, I think Kentucky's athleticism is just going to overwhelm Stephen F. Austin. And while Stephen F. Austin will put up a good fight, I think that Kentucky just just is too much for them, and they win by at least 10 points. Um, Kyle, what is your outlook on this Stephen F. Austin game, and how do you see them matching up? Well, like Cal said, I think this is a team, let's remember, folks, this is a team that was 1.6 seconds away from playing Wisconsin in the Sweet 16 last year. This is a team that blitzed West Virginia. And now, that although they don't have all those players, they still have a lot of good pieces from that team. So this, this is not a pushover. This is going to be a tough game. I, I see it I see it going kind of like – I compared it to the Miami-Ohio game. Now, I don't think it'll be as big an issue as that one was. Uh, but I, I, I just think Kentucky's athleticism is way too much. I'm, I'm thinking – I'm going to say Cat 78, Stephen F. Austin 19 – I'm just keep not win by 19, 59. Goodness. Stephen F. Austin's not only scoring 19 points. That's my bad. This is not an exhibition. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think Bam Adebayo has a coming up 20. I think Bam Adebayo has 20 and 10 at least. I think Humphreys Adebayo comes. definitely has a chance to dominate down low in this game. And I think the guards are going to get a great chance to show what they can do as well. Uh, we're definitely going to see Malik Monk's athleticism in this game. Um, if I were to give like a score prediction or anything like that, I would probably say 
80, 67 or something like that. I think that uh, Stephen Foston will do a good job of keeping it close for a while, but the Cats will pull away late. Um, but that that's not even the biggest game that we're going to have coming up before our next episode of the show. Uh, the, the biggest game is the Michigan State game, and that's what everyone is excited about in the Champions Classic. Um, Michigan State has a big game of their own tonight against the Arizona Wildcats uh, in the uh, Veterans Day game. And um, everyone really excited about this Michigan State game, obviously, because it's two teams that are going to get to look at how they stack up against top-tier talent uh, going into, you know, early on in this season. And um, Michigan State returning not very many players. They have a lot of turnover on their roster. You look at some of the players they lost last year to the draft, to graduation, to everything else. Um They've lost Denzel Valentine, Brent Forbes, uh, Matt Costello, Kobe, Kobe Wolleman. They all graduated. Obviously, Valentine went into the draft and was drafted by the Bulls. Um, Javon Bess and Marvin Clark Jr. Uh, transferred out of the program. Deontay Davis went to the draft. Ben Carter and Gavin Schilling have been lost to injury. So this is a much different Michigan State team than what uh, the Spartans had last year. And... The starting lineup for Michigan State looks like uh, early on it's going to be a relatively small lineup, and there's going to be a lot of freshmen on the floor, which isn't really necessarily a normal thing for a Tom Izzo team. So I think that's going to be uh, something that Izzo specifically is going to have to adapt to is having these younger guys on the floor, and I think that can help Kentucky a lot. One, because it's going to be a smaller team. Kentucky's got a lot of length and height, and they can still – play as athletically as a smaller team does. Now, as far as the freshman situation, Izzo's not used to having that many freshmen out there. Calipari is. Calipari plays the freshman. That's what he does. Um, but I think that while Izzo's not used to having as many freshmen out there, he's going to be relying heavily on his star freshman, Miles Bridges, who has explosive athleticism a lot like some of Kentucky's players do. And we're going to see, while we're going to see a lot higher presence of freshmen on the floor, I think Bridges is going to be the main one. Now, for Kentucky, I, I think that they'll look to use their size, their, their length, and their uh, strength and athleticism uh, against a, a somewhat smaller Michigan State lineup and look for the, the height advantage in those situations. Um, plus just playing just playing to inexperience really because Calipari is used to taking these inexperienced teams and making them experienced. Izzo's used to having more experienced players on the floor to begin with. So I think that Calipari being more used to being in this position with these younger players than Izzo is, I think it's going to help Kentucky a lot in this game. I think it's going to be a very good game and a very close game. Uh, Kyle, how do you look at the matchups for these two teams and what Michigan State has coming in and how they're going to play out against Kentucky. Well, you mentioned all the departing pieces from the Michigan State team, and that's that's a team that we expected to go far and win a national championship last year. And the turnover is unprecedented, but if there's anybody that can handle a turnover, it's Tom Izzo. So this game is going to be, I, I think it's going to be a well-contested game. I think this is a great test for Kentucky as opposed to being a, playing a Duke or a Kansas while they play each other next Tuesday. I think this is a better matchup with a better turn because there's a lot of turnover on this Kentucky roster too. It's not just, oh, Tyler Eagles, oh, Jamal Murray, all Alex Poitras. This is a turnover team. We're inheriting a lot of freshmen again. I look for Isaiah Briscoe to be the key in this game. Can he be a factor on the defensive side of the ball? Can he be the factor we anticipate him being 
on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's going to be able to – I think he'll be able to contain some of the guard play I because I think you'll see Briscoe match up on a lot of different players. And I think inside, I think we'll be able to have an advantage. Like you said, the loss of Costello, the loss of Schilling, those big men, I think we'll be able to dominate inside. And I think that is going to propel Kentucky to a 72-65 win. And I'm going to say the player of the game, again, I, I just – I'm enamored with his play, Bam Adebayo. I like the prediction for sure. I think it'll be a little bit closer. I would I would only see Kentucky winning this game by a couple points. Um, I would say something like 75, 72, or 73. Um, I think it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be a really good game. We're going to get to see a great Champions Classic overall with both of these games. But um, – I think I think what you touched on with the big men is going to be a big deal. Uh, with Michigan State losing some of their big guys inside, I think Adebayo has a great game, and I think the forwards that can stretch the floor, like Winning Gabriel and Sasha Kilia Jones, Sasha Kilia Jones, sorry, um, are going to have a great game as well because I think they're going to be able to work inside and out and um, help to keep the defense on their heels, which I think in turn is also going to help Adebayo uh, down low in the paint, uh, open up some opportunities for him. Um, overall, I think I just think this is going to be a great measuring stick game for Kentucky to see where they are against top talent right now because some people see this as a situation that Cal's in a lot where he may not have for sure the best team in the country going into the season, but you know that he's going to have one of the, for sure, one of the best teams in the country uh, as you go into March Madness. So to see where they are early on, I think it's going to be a big deal. Um, you know, even if, even if this game isn't a win, even if they don't win this game, if Michigan State beats them, just to see how they can compete against a Tom Izzo team, against a team that you know is going to be ready come tournament time, to see how uh, the Cats can, can handle that is I think is going to be key, and if it if they give a good performance, I think it's going it's going to be a good thing regardless of the win. Although you know, us being you know a Kentucky blog and uh, broadcasting to Big Blue Nation, we expect the win because Kentucky fans always expect the win. Um, as far as Michigan State, you guys know that I like to do this little um, roast session, tail of the tape type thing, and. <laughs> Uh, Michigan State, I, I I couldn't resist Stephen F. Austin. I'm gonna let you guys slide. All right, I'm I'm letting that one. I'm letting that game slide because I wanted to focus on Michigan State. Um, just to give you guys some background on Michigan State, they have a lot of notable alumni. These are the big dogs here. This isn't this isn't Asbury. This isn't uh, Clarion. This isn't a school where not a lot of uh, you know, of the big name people in sports and in entertainment have come out of Michigan State has a lot of them. Um, so I'm going to pay my respects to some of them and then also roast them as I usually do. Uh, the first one is an obvious one, Magic Johnson. Uh, one of the greatest basketball players of all time is what he's remembered for, but he's, he's also known these days for being one of the worst sports analysts out there. The guy just constantly states the obvious. <laughs> um, another another basketball player well-known from Michigan State is Draymond Green. Very good basketball player, but is really more known for kicking people in the crotches than he is making baskets. Um, another sports legend from Michigan State is Kurt Gibson. Um, he provided one of the greatest baseball moments of all time. <laughs> His iconic fist pump as he's rounding the bases on that home run is thanks to coach Kent Murphy of YouTube is now done by high school kids who hit dingers. 
all over America. And then the last, uh, the last person I want to get to is Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers majority owner Dan Gilbert. Uh, he is also a grad of Michigan State, and he is pretty well known as the guy who wrote a very angry letter to LeBron James, telling him that the LeBronless Cavs would win a championship before LeBron did. And then after the team was a disgrace to basketball for a few seasons, he happily took the athlete that Cleveland's economy thrives on in order to win a title. I guess all's well that ends well, but I just I always like to bring that up when Dan Gilbert is mentioned because everyone seems to forget that furious letter that he wrote to LeBron James um, about how the Heat weren't going to win a title with LeBron. The Cavaliers would definitely have one before him. And then the Cavs went on to be the worst team in basketball for a few seasons before LeBron came back. Um, but that was just my short little uh, roast session of it. I expect this to be a very good game. Um, I think that Kentucky, I, I expect Kentucky to win. I don't think it's going to be by much. I think that this is definitely going to go down to the wire. They're definitely going to get a good test here in these uh, first few regular season games. Um, but moving past the games now, we want to talk about a couple of topics that have been in uh, college basketball media. Uh, the first one, we'll save the Sports Illustrated issue for later because it's going to be a big deal. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll know in a second. Um, the first thing I want to get to is Jay Bill has talked about Kentucky basketball uh, sometime last week. Uh, he was asked a few questions during a uh, ESPN media conference call type thing. And he said that the blowouts that Kentucky put on Asbury was not good for basketball, really. He said that games like that, exhibitions like that, there's really no point for them because nobody gains anything from it. And while I can see where he's coming from, there are some things that I think that you can take away from games like that. But Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, Billis's comments and how do you feel about games like the Asbury game? To say it's not beneficial for either team is ridiculous because as we've all played exhibition games, if you're a basketball player, if you're a football player, you play preseason exhibition games, whatnot. To say it's not beneficial is ridiculous because Asbury will not play a more talented team the next five years than that Kentucky team. They benefited from that because they know how to play against a top-level competition now. They know how to – and it's not like – I mean, I understand it was a blowout. Yes, you could say, oh, they lost by 93. That's just Billis being Billis. Billis likes to be outspoken, likes his opinions to be out there. To say it doesn't benefit either team is, for Kentucky, you're getting to play against good competition. And, again, you could say it's bad competition. It's Asbury University. They, they're, they're known for probably their mascot more than their basketball team. But at the same time, you can't really judge off of just because you're not playing. I don't See, I'm, just, I'm at a loss for words because I just think that is ridiculous to say. Playing against a good team like Kentucky is not beneficial for Asbury and then vice versa. Playing against an Asbury team is not beneficial for Kentucky because it gets you warmed up for the season. Would you rather go into tonight playing no exhibition games and just playing against one another in scrimmages? I don't think so. I generally disagree with Jay Billis on a lot of things. Um, But for the most part, I actually agree with him on this because here's the thing. You can say that Asbury got experience against a top-tier team in this, but uh, all the experience they got was they got killed. And listening to their coach in the press conference afterwards, you know, he he just – it doesn't seem like a lot was taken away from that. And really all you can say if you're Asbury was, well, at least we didn't get beat by a hundred because they were losing by a hundred and two points at one time. And 
it's I understand that you're getting to see the best possibly the best team in basketball one of the best teams in basketball but I don't really know how much you're learning from it I mean the game is just so fast-paced and Kentucky's so athletic that you can hardly keep up and you're just getting killed um on the Kentucky end of it I I, I like the idea of getting a shape-up game but <laughs> sometimes when they were on offense you could put could have put traffic cones out there and it would have been the same I mean, Asbury was just not ready for that level of competition, and it showed Kentucky was finishing at the rim every single time. It, it was just a practice game. I mean, it was there was there wasn't much shaping up to it. I mean, they didn't really have they didn't learn from a lot. Um, if nothing else, you know, they they just they looked good. You know, they scored a lot of points. I think that what Bill has proposed was something along the lines of. You know, Kentucky teams like Kentucky need to play a mid-major or something like that in the in the preseason or in the exhibition games. Maybe like a Stephen F. Austin or something like that. And I think that would be a much a much better idea, um, just because it, it's it's real competition. And I understand that, especially when you're a, when you're a program like Kentucky, you don't want to lose exhibition games. I remember a few years back, Tennessee lost an exhibition game to a Division II school, and that was just an absolute embarrassment. But at the same time, you want to actually take something away from exhibition games, and I just don't know how much you can take away from a game against Asbury. I mean, especially when you're when you win by that many points, I just it it doesn't it. I don't think that it it serves much purpose, other than you know I think that you could probably get the same thing out of playing a inner squad scrimmage, and I mean maybe more because the competition within Kentucky players, among Kentucky players, I think is much higher obviously, than what Kentucky versus Asbury is. But on to a topic that I know Kyle and I are both definitely going to agree on. Um, this, past, this past week, Sports Illustrated released a bunch of predictions for the college basketball season, and they didn't – one of them was the Final Four prediction. Now, they listed their Final Four favorites. They said who they were going to uh, have winning the national championship – they said who they were going to have um, as a dark horse. They looked at who was going to be the favorite to win some player awards. And Kentucky didn't appear on a single prediction. They're on the Final Four prediction. They didn't appear in the top freshman player predictions and the bounce back player of the year, you know, all this defensive player of the year, stuff like that. Not a single one of them. Now, here, I'll read you off the predictions here in case you guys haven't seen it yet. Um, Seth Davis, Luke Wynn, Brian Hamilton, and Chris Johnson all picked team, all picked their final four here. Seth Davis had Duke, Oregon, Kansas, and Wisconsin, and then his dark horse was Iowa State. Luke Wynn, Duke, Oregon, Kansas, Wisconsin, dark horse, UCLA. Brian Hamilton, Duke, Oregon, Kansas, Xavier. His dark horse was UConn. <laughs> this last one makes me laugh. Chris Johnson had Duke, Kansas, Wisconsin, Gonzaga, and his dark horse was Louisville. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke to me. That, I mean, pretty much the entire thing. And um, on the on the other categories that we'll get to in just a second, the, they're pretty bad too. But Kyle, what are your what is your initial reaction to seeing these predictions for the Final Four and the dark horse? It's laughable that. But it's, it's, I'm glad because this is finally a Kentucky team that's not being showered with adoration. 
in the preseason. We usually number one. We're usually picked to go to Final Fours. We're usually picked to hang. We're just not. We're not this time. And I'm happy about it. I couldn't be happier because this is extra fuel to the fire for everybody on this team, not just everybody on this team. Coach and staff, especially Coach Cal. You know Cal's going to hammer this home every single chance he gets. And I can't wait. The fact that Gonzaga, Oregon, Wisconsin are there, that makes me happy because now you doubt us. You can't say in February, oh, we, we, we expected this all along because we have proof now that you didn't that these people did not believe in us, and I think that's going to fuel Kentucky, and I cannot wait to see what happens. I'd have to agree. Um, I it, it just shocks me. It's the number two team in the country in the AP Bowl, preseason AP Bowl. Uh, the number two favorite in betting odds to win the national championship this year. Number one recruiting class, one of the best defenders in the country, and Isaiah Briscoe returning. And they're not even a dark horse. I, I don't understand that. Um and what, what doesn't make any sense to me is in one of these other categories, there was a, a category about not buying the hype. And each analyst or expert or whatever you want to call them uh, put down a team that they're not buying the hype on. And Kentucky wasn't mentioned there either. And it's almost as if this panel just completely forgot about Kentucky. They didn't list them in the Final Four. They didn't list them as a dark horse. They didn't list them as the team they're not buying the hype on. But there's hype in this Kentucky team. They're the number two team in the country in the preseason AP poll. So I just – I don't get it. But it, that's not the only place they got snubbed. They didn't, they didn't just get snubbed from the Final Four predictions. Um, there was a freshman of the year discussion in there. Number one recruiting class in the country, and the Cats didn't have a single player in that discussion. Um, they didn't get – any attention and breakout player or impact defender categories, which breakout player, if Isaiah Briscoe can shoot the ball this year, he's easily a breakout player with how good his defense already is. You've got a bunch of freshmen that are incredibly athletic and talented that I think could be breakout players. And then the last one is, is probably the worst, impact defender. How does, I, how does Isaiah Briscoe not get recognition for that? One of the best, easily one of the best defenders in the country. And he doesn't even get talked about. Um, Kyle, beyond that final four prediction, what do you think of the snubs from these other categories? I just think it's even more laughable. I think, it, again, more fuel. That's how, It's going to feel as a risk to play harder. It's going to feel Bam Adebayo to play harder. It's going to make these guys want to earn these honors, not just an SEC Player of the Year, not just SEC Defensive Player of the Year. They want national recognition, and they're going to keep fighting until they get it. I'd have to agree. Um, I think that the message that Cal is going to be sending, though, is just to be focused on the wins. Uh, you know how Cal generally does this, um, and it works pretty well for his players. You know, there's a lot of times when he's got stacked rosters, and, you know, he's got to tell these guys, you're not looking for your big minutes, your big points. You're not, I don't want you to go out there and dominate individually. I want you to play within the system and it's going to work for you. And, uh, you know, sometimes when he says that, he's, he points at Anthony Davis and he points at Michael K. Gilchrist and he points at Carl Anthony Towns and says, look at where these guys are now. So I, I don't know that Cal's necessarily going to say, you know, you need to go get this national recognition, but I think it'll help fuel the players. I think it'll help them um, play harder. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fuel to the fire for these big games like Michigan State. I think it's going to influence them uh, to play very well against big-time teams. Um, 
but one thing that I did notice is that last year, no one picked Villanova to win a national championship. No one had Villanova in their final four. So you look at, you know, Kentucky could <laughs> by, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the same situation because Kentucky's the number two team in the preseason AP poll. They're getting hype from other places. But when you look at these expert picks, and Kentucky's not even being considered, you're getting Oregon, you're getting Louisville, you're getting UCLA, you're getting um, Gonzaga over Kentucky. That just shocks me. But um, I, I just I think that at the same time, I think Kentucky could be kind of like a Villanova because nobody even had that Villanova team in the second weekend. So this is definitely fuel. But yeah, no, no one had Villanova going very far in last year's tournament, and they proved out to be the real deal. And while Kentucky, I think, has a lot more hype from other places, they're looked at very highly among the AP, things like that, I think they still have a chance to be that kind of team. They still have a chance to be a very impactful team that's kind of being slept on right now. And they definitely have national championship potential. There's no doubt in that. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of you know, Kentucky being kind of like this year's Villanova? I think it's a great comparison. Now, we're not perennially Villanova every single year, obviously. We're not a team that's expected to not make it out of the second weekend. But we're at the same time, we're, we're a blue blood. Ha, shout out to the podcast name. Uh, we, we're a blue blood. We're expected to go to Final Fours, but this is one of those years that we're not. And I'm happy. And then, because Villanova, I guess you could call them a blue blood as well. Wildcats always win in Louisville. That's why they went through Louisville to go to the Final Four. It's wonderful. But I, at the same time, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is just like I've been, I've been harping on it. But this is just going to be. I think this has the potential to be the most gratifying run in school history, because of just not being expected to get there. Just because it was adoration. Even that 2014 team had preseason adoration. This one, this one doesn't. And I'm ready for it. I think that even while um, they are the number two team in the country. There's definitely a lot more attention being given to some other schools, and it, it can help. I think it can help Kentucky uh, with a chip on the shoulder or anything like that to play a little better in, in those big games. Um, I think that's about all we got for you guys this week. The last thing we want to talk, I uh, want to mention at least, is good luck to the football Wildcats against Tennessee this week. Uh, still just one win away from bowl eligibility after the, after the hard loss against Georgia last week. And... Um, Looking like they'll make a bowl regardless of this week, which is good. It's good progress for this program. Um, so good luck to them. Uh, do you, Kyle, do you have anything else before we sign off? No, just get that bowl eligibility football, Cats. And just keep being awesome people, Big Blue Nation. We love you. I'm from a mountain. This is ridiculous, but I'm pretty sure I see you all over this place. All right, we'll see you guys next week. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, remember to follow us on Twitter. I'm at J.S. Chisenhall. He's at Kyle Lance underscore. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can find us under the JNK Sports page there. And we'll see you guys next week.